Holy cow, these guys are maniacal. Welcome to another edition of Mets Maniacs. I'm your host, Ty Wilkes, along with co-host Uncle Mike, Mike Bresnack. We're here to recap the Braves series. It was disappointing. We played five. We lost three of them. It was at home. Um, can't score runs, guys. Can't win games. Can't score runs. There were some positives. Tyler McGill continues to impress. Brandon Drury, um, you know, he's the judge, Drury, and executioner. I thought of that one all by myself, but we couldn't get the win. Um, that's okay. The trade deadline's coming up, of course, so me and Mike dive into that. We spend most of our time talking about the needs of this team. It's me venting a lot about the offense, getting very frustrated. Uh, so I hope you can find some solace in that. But uh, we're debating, you know, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez uh, on the pitching side. If we can get, you know, John Gray, um, potentially some other starting pitching. Uh, we wouldn't go bullpen here, but listen to the whole thing. We really cover it in depth. And then we also note that we'll make an emergency podcast to talk about any late signings. Um, During our pod, we saw that Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs is going to the Yankees. The Yankees are making moves. They're not giving up too much. So we're hoping we can follow suit, uh, potentially in a deal again that could involve Bryant or Baez. We just need a bat. My God. So stay tuned. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Mets Maniacs Pod. We're on Instagram. Mets Maniacs underscore. Uh, We're also online. MetsMariseOnline.com. Let's jump into it. I hope you guys have a great week, too. This is coming to you on a Friday. You did it. You deserve a good weekend. Get yourself a drink. If you don't drink, do whatever you want. Just make sure it's relaxing. Make sure you're doing it for you. Love you guys. Uncle Mike and I back out of here, Mets Maniacs, here to talk to you a little bit about the Mets last series against the Braves. Uh, More so, we'll be focusing our conversation on the trade trade deadline where we stand in the NLEs division of course both of those are connected uh what we think the needs are for the team and how we see things going forward for the Mets uh, right now at this point end of July we're recording this July 29th um Thursday release it Friday morning so definitely hit us up on Twitter or send us an email if you guys want to comment on what we said or uh, have any thoughts or opinions you can find us on Twitter at Mets Maniacs pod our email is we are Mets Maniacs at gmail.com but of course, we had the five-game series against the Braves, Mike, where we had that doubleheader to lead things off. Uh, and then all five games played at home. We ended up dropping three of five to the Braves. That was definitely disappointing. This is a Braves team that's also injured, like the Mets, uh, not having three of their really biggest hitters, or huge hitters, I should say, in Acuna, uh, Marcelo Zuna, and then Travis Darno. although Austin Riley um, kind of made up for all of them. But anyways, I think... A good takeaway from the whole series, of course, is Tyler McGill. Uh, He's been such a godsend for the Mets with our really lack of starting pitching depth throughout the entire year, especially at a time now when DeGrom has been out. Carrasco, of course, has still been out, delayed perhaps just a little bit from his return with a rocky rehab start and I think his second start. Uh, And then, of course, Peterson out for the year, fractured his foot, just walking around, and then Syndergaard's delayed recovery. Uh, Just so great to have somebody his caliber on the team and he has the second lowest ERA in the Mets through his first seven starts. Only to Tom Seaver. I think his uh, number, this is McGill. He's at 206 now or the low twos. So he's 
He's really been great, put in another great performance against the Braves where we won two to one yesterday in dramatic fashion. Uh, Mike, I think my takeaway from the series, though, is just finding the silver lining. This is definitely a series where we could have gotten swept. We could have gotten, we could have lost all five games, but I think just pulling out some runs thanks to Brandon Drury. Pete Alonso has really been carrying the bulk of this offense as well, driving in some runs, and Jeff McNeil on his like 15 game hitting streak now. But team can't score runs. That's obvious. We've run into some more pitching struggles, a little bit with Stroman, more so Taiwan Walker. We saw a little bit more than that today, but nothing that the offense shouldn't be able to overcome. So before we jump into trade deadline talk, Anything from the Atlanta series you want to highlight? Yeah, uh, I think the issue is the offense again. Uh, we've been saying it pretty much the entire year, but I think the most amount of runs the Mets put up was three runs today uh, throughout the throughout all five games, which is... We, uh, no, we put, up put up five, five. but again, yeah, this is when we were already down true. like 12. 12 I mean, yeah, so like Braves aren't throwing out their best pitchers. So again, even with five, right, you expect the team to explode for a few more runs, but... Yeah, it was uh, it was a really tough series offensively. It was pretty much Brandon Drury, the only one who did pretty much anything offensively with a huge home run last night, the Tyler McGill start. Uh, started off eight for eight at, after he came back up. But I think the big thing about this Atlanta series is it's kind of a pivotal point for the Mets in the sense where they are no longer, let's hope, with the return of Carlos Carrasco, with the addition of Rich Hill, with DeGrom looking like he's going to be back within the next two weeks, hopefully. It looks like he's going to start pitching next week. They're not going to be putting out these kind of BS, TBA, TBD starters like a Jared Eichhoff or like Vance Worley, something like that. Exactly. It looks like they'll be having pitchers who are actually majorly capable pitchers. And I know it was really hard because the Mets were down to their 11th and 12th kind of string starting pitchers. But at this point, it looks like the Mets are going to either make moves at this deadline, which they've had with Rich Hill, or they're going to just get healthy and no longer be punting games where you're giving up 10 runs in the first three innings. Uh, so I think that's kind of where a turning point is, uh, in the series is. And to be honest, it was a five-game series. The Mets came into the came into this uh, series with a four-game lead on the Phillies and a five-game lead on the Braves. And they're ending it with a three-and-a-half game lead on the Phillies and a four-game lead on the Braves. So it didn't really lose much in terms of the uh, – in terms of the divisional standings, the Braves also aren't getting over 500. They never get over 500. I think Gary said today they've had 13 opportunities to get over to get to 500 this year, and they're one in 12 in those games, uh, which is absolutely ridiculous. The fact that it's such a mental block for them. Uh, I think the Phillies just got to 500 with this walk off against the Nationals now. So it's not like these uh, NL East teams are like doing well by any sense of the imagination. Uh, I tweeted it today, the Nationals and Marlins, who have been two big sellers uh, so far, with still 18 out, or 22 hours left before the deadline is over, the Nationals and Marlins are two of the bigger sellers. The Marlins, of course, getting rid of Starling Marte and Yimmy Garcia. The Nationals, it looks like Scherzer's about to be shipped out to San Diego. Uh, they got rid of Brad Hand to the Blue Jays today. Uh, Schwarber's hurt. They all have COVID now. It looks like Schwarber might even be on his way out as well. Uh, the Mets have 24 games against them out of their 61 against those two teams. And those two teams aren't going to be threats to make the postseason at all for the rest of this year. So it seems like those are really winnable games for the Mets. Uh, you think if the Mets win 18 of those 24 games, a 75% clip as a team who's supposed to be making a deadline move within the next 22 hours, we're supposed to be getting the best pitcher in baseball back supposed to be getting even more healthy with Carrasco making his Mets debut tomorrow. tomorrow. You hope that the Mets are kind of capable of like putting, putting the NL East teams that they're supposed to be 
into the dirt. Right. I, I know. I think that's a, that's a good point. Kind of just treading water against the Braves in this series. Still disappointing because this was really an opportunity at home, given our success at home this year, where we could put the nail in the coffin in the division against the Braves, but that didn't happen. Uh, still, they've been struggling to get above 500. But as you say, we have a lot of games against um, these poor teams in our division that are, you know, only going to get worse. Uh, presumably so, of course, as the season continues, selling off their top talent. Starting with Miami, we have a four-game series Monday, August 2nd, this upcoming Monday. And then we have a three-game set against the Phillies. Both of those series are away. Uh, very important, though, especially that series against the Phillies. Uh, we'll have, um, obviously, Carrasco back at that point. Um, I don't think we have any word yet with DeGrom. He's been progressing nicely at a bullpen session today. He's been throwing. Um, but, my God, it'd be excellent if we could get him back for that series. Um one thing I do want to note, though, it is very important that we win the division. Of course, right now we're up three and a half games on the Phillies, four games on the Braves, as you mentioned, first in the NL East. But the wild card is very competitive this year for the National League, given that the Dodgers uh, and the Padres currently occupy the top two spots. The Dodgers have 62 wins. The Padres have 59. Again, we're at 54. You know, the least amount of wins for a division leader, National or American League. So we just have to make sure that we can keep gaining ground and be able to win this division. But that being said, if we can pull that off, I think we'll be in good shape for the postseason. The hitting is something that needs to pick up for us to have success in the postseason. But looking at this depth of starting pitching, not to mention who we might add for the trade deadline, somebody like Rich Hill or even Noah Syndergaard could fulfill a role similar to what Bartolo Colon played for the team in 2015, coming on later in games or even John Neese, right? Um, and providing long bullpen relief or just giving you multiple innings uh, of quality pitching in the postseason, or if games go deeper into extras, it just gives you uh, more options. So the Mets can get creative. Uh, I don't even, we'll, we'll see what happens with Syndergaard when he comes back, but we could go very quickly, knock on wood, from having a shortage of pitching to a surplus, uh, especially depending what we do at the deadline. But I think that's a good segue. Mike, right now, uh, if you're given the reins of GM, what are you doing on this team? What area of need are you tackling first? And what players specifically are you looking to get? Uh, I think the only it's – so, it's so tough because you look at this Mets team, the potential is there for every position where it's almost right. like you don't necessarily need a trade. Uh, but I think – right-handed bats is definitely where it starts. The Mets can't really hit left-handed pitching this year at all. Uh, and I think I think the best trade partner for the Mets is the uh, Chicago Cubs. The Cubs actually mid-podcast recording. Here's a little live update. They just traded Anthony Rizzo to the uh, New York Yankees, actually. Uh, so I, I imagine Luke Voigt's probably on his way out from the Yankees. Uh, so it looks like the Cubs are open for sale. They traded Ryan Tapera to the uh, White Sox earlier today. I would love for the Mets to be able to, to grab, I think, I don't know, because defensively, Javi Baez is so, so good. But uh, Chris Bryant is so much more kind of versatile in the sense where he could play all three outfield positions. He could play third base. He could play – he played shortstop last night, so he could potentially play shortstop as well. I think you definitely need somebody who could take over for the next three to five weeks until Lindor gets back and then switch over to third base preferably. Uh so that's that's kind of why I'm thinking the Cubs as opposed to the Rockies when it comes to Trevor Story. And the Cubs have some pitching depth as well that they could kind of trade away. I don't necessarily know if we need bullpen. Uh, I think Familia's looked really solid. Diaz looked good. I mean, it always helps getting bullpen, but, like, who are you realistically going to send down? Uh, you're going to make a huge trade. You're going to acquire a couple guys, and they're going to be on the 40-man roster. You're going to bring back 
DeGrom soon. Tyler McGill is probably going to go to the bullpen. You bring David Peterson gets healthy. He's probably going to go to the bullpen. Rich Hill is probably going to go to the bullpen at some point too. So you've got all these, you've got about eight starters who are in the MLB caliber and three of them are going to have to pitch in the bullpen at one point or another. So I don't necessarily know if going out and trading for like a Craig Kimbrell for uh, Scott Oberg from like the Rockies or something. I don't necessarily know if that's something that's needed to be done. Uh, I think you only trade for Kimbrell if like, Edwin Diaz had continued blowing saves after that Pirates after that Pirates series, uh, which he hasn't done. He's he's been a little bit rocky, but he's been he's been solid. He still is getting the job done. Uh, so I think you definitely look at a righty bat. If I had to choose between Brian Bryant and Baez, I'd probably go Bryant just because Baez is a little bit of an all or nothing hitter for me, uh, in my eyes at least. Where he's not necessarily home run or bust, but he definitely uh, he's definitely home run oriented he swings at every every pitch like he's gonna hit it out of the park and I think Brian's a little bit more uh take what the pitcher gives him type thing uh it's so hard though because I feel like I don't know what they'd want because obviously Brian's Brian's more likely to be a rental than Baez is Baez has kind of expressed his interest in playing next to Francisco Lindor in the long term so if we were to trade for Baez I could see the Mets extending him and not have to worry about losing him free agency making this not necessarily a rental uh yeah, I, I think my preferred would be like the Zach Davies, another pitcher, like another starting pitcher who could kind of – who the Mets could use because Taiwan Walker's been struggling a little bit now. Maybe if you want to go to a six-man rotation, he's coming off Tommy John from two years ago. He hasn't thrown this many pitches in a year. Stroman hasn't thrown this many pitches in a year. He didn't pitch last year. Uh, DeGrom's coming off injury. Rich Hill's getting up there in age. So you have a lot of guys who are kind of reaching that innings cap of around 100, 110 innings right now. And I think just adding a six starter can't possibly hurt. I know Carrasco hasn't pitched all year, so you don't necessarily know. You, you don't know if you can really depend on him either. So I, I would like to do, I would like to explore like a Zach Davies, Chris Bryant trade. Uh, my personally, at least. What about you? Yeah, it's a lot of interesting things to think about. Um, the starting pitching, I think, is the most interesting just with the timeline here. And McGill really does shake up this scenario for me because I would actually like to keep McGill in the rotation. I think he's warranted that. I mean, seven starts, his ERA is 204. You know, like this guy has been out pitching Stroman and Walker since his time on the Mets. Uh, you know, so it's, I, I think it's hard to really take him out of the rotation right now. Um, of course, you know, hitters, may potentially begin to figure him out. But on the flip side, you know, maybe he's even developing each game. So I think, I know you've alluded to it before, as many Mets fans have, just in the same way DeGrom kind of came up relatively unknown and then blossomed into the superstar future Hall of Famer he is now. I'm not saying that McGill is on that same track or trajectory, but it, it is in a similar vein coming up unknown and then pitching more or less lights out. I mean, this guy doesn't really give up runs. So uh, I think that lessens the need for starting pitching, but, you know, I definitely would be behind a rental starting pitcher for the rest of the season to help us out. That being said, I don't know. I don't really know who we push, uh, but maybe we do go to that six man again, you know, knock on wood, but maybe we don't even need to, depending on the health of our other starting pitchers. You even saw Taiwan Walker, not in this game, but on the previous start kind of, uh, uh, grasp I, I believe it was his hip or something but I guess the point there is you just never know when another pitcher is going to go down with a minor injury or especially with DeGrom maybe we can play it more safe with him if we feel comfortable getting into the postseason you know more or less not riding him every start um, so yeah I think somebody like Zach Davies would make sense um, so I'm in for starting pitching 
I don't, again, I don't really have somebody that I'm, you know, obsessed with. Uh, I think Scherzer would be interesting too. It all depends on what we have to give up. Um, but of course, Scherzer is looking for the West Coast. Um, a Scherzer DeGrom one, two would have been great. Uh, but just looking at Carrasco coming back tomorrow, right? And depending on when we get DeGrom back, I think a lot rides on that as well. We don't know a lot of information there. I don't think, or I don't know if the Mets know either. Um, they're kind of just taking his injury as symptoms arise and as he's pitching and how, and how he's feeling, testing out his timetable for return. But if he comes back soon, again, I don't know how confident we are that he can pitch the rest of the season without any more hiccups because that's proven to be a problem, which I, I think is in the back of every Mets fan's mind, but we don't want to bring it up. Like we hope when he comes back, he can just stay back. But I, I just don't know if he's going to be able to do so um, with all these minor injuries and, and nicks that he suffered. But you're looking at a rotation, let's say here, of DeGrom in, in any order, but DeGrom, Stroman, Carrasco, Walker, McGill. Those five, that is, I mean, that is a very strong five. Now you have Syndergaard coming back. You have Rich Hill. You have seven viable, legitimate starters. You know, five of them, honestly, that, that starting five that I named could all be all-stars, right? Two of them were. Uh, so I think all said and done, yes, we can afford another starting pitcher as a rental. We should go that route. Hitting-wise, Chris Bryant did really struggle his last 30 games. I think he was hitting 208. He since picked that up in his last seven, hitting over 300, two home runs. Um, I think for the year, he's batting 268 with 18 homers. Uh, I agree with you. I would rather have him than Baez. Um, I can't speak on this for his career. I don't know if he's a notoriously streaky hitter. This is Brian here. But so far this season, what I've seen is that although Baez is a all or nothing hitter at bat to at bat, it seems like Brian has been either on or off, um, you know, on stretches of the season hot and cold, maybe in the same vein that Conforto is. Of course, we just want a consistent, steady hitter. I mean, that's the goal for any offensive player. Uh, I don't know if either player here, Baez or Bryant, that is, uh, can solve that problem for us. Um, and No, I agree with you too, but I think the Mets need to add a that. We're the 28th ranked offense right now in terms of runs per game. Uh, so something needs to change. And I think <sighs> – like, I love Jonathan VR. I love Luis, Luis Guillorme. They played major roles in the Mets this season, but I think I'd rather – I know I'd rather give that bats to Chris Brown or Javi Baez over them. Uh, and even – like, something's got to give at some point. I know, like, even if you have to platoon Michael Conforto, Conforto's hitting about 100 against lefties this year. So if you put Bryant in right field, if you put VR at – at third base for the game or something like that. Brian's versatile in the sense where he could play literally anywhere right. besides like catcher and first base. I just, so I think, I, I think you have to kind of explore an option where this guy who's his OPS against lefties this year is over 900. And that's one of the biggest issues right. for the Mets. So. Right. Um, like a couple of things there too. One also too, that's interesting. We definitely need a right-handed bat, an additional one that can mash against lefties. Um, you know, with, with Pete Alonso, obviously, being on a home run tear recently, but in Dom Smith and Brandon Nimmo, I think Gary flashed that during the game. It's either top 10 or top five in the league, like lefties against left-handed pitching, uh, which is great. And I think a story of this game too, is like, we had 12 hits. We just couldn't drive anybody in and um, we, we couldn't get a big hit where we needed it. We're grounding into some double plays. Uh, those are just killer. I mean, how many times have we seen recently just the Mets in a position to score swing at the first pitch and then ruin a rally. Now, of course, McNeil did that 
um, yesterday, but that's McNeil's game, you know, so he can stick true to that. I'm fine with McNeil swinging first pitch. That's his approach. He's good at it. But when you have some other players, uh, I, I think that kind of is a sign of um, being over anxious and over eager and not really their, you know, their tried and true approach that they go into every at bat. Um, that being said, I, I guess it would, I'm not willing to give up top prospects. I think that always scares me for somebody like Bryant. I don't know what he would cost, to be honest. Um, but just the fact that the guy was an MVP and his name just carries so much weight. And like, rightly so, of course, he's a good hitter, but, you know, he started off really hot this year. No doubt he could help the team. So I'd say if we can get him at a reasonable price, uh, I don't know what I would define reasonable as, but if we can't, I don't want to sacrifice anything too long-term for a rental who might not even pan out. Now, of course you have to take risks, but him and Trevor story um, story is guy too. I mean, he's hitting 240 with 13 home runs in Colorado this year. So it's like, I would rather roll the dice with JD Davis. And then we had a really tough series, but you know, I, I don't think it's worth it unless we can get him very cheap to try and help out this team. And you mentioned VR too. I think again, another injury here. Um, it depends on when we can get Lindor back. This is a guy who of course still was struggling, but somebody who's going to be slotted in at shortstop. So realistically, we're looking at what a third baseman. Um, I don't think we're shaking up the outfield. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's like, and maybe somebody who could play short in the interim while Lindor is gone. But let's say Lindor is on a faster track to return. The oblique strain, probably not. But third base, of course, Brian's a, a big option there. Other names thrown out were like Donaldson. You know, like I don't, I don't know if there's a clear good fit right now for a hitter out there. Or are you saying in your mind that's either Bryant or Bias? I think the three Mets infielders that they're kind of targeting are Story, Bias, and Bryant. Story's kind of had issues with his with his arm strength. So I don't know if he's going to third base is really in the cards for him in the sense where kind of reminds me of Jeff McNeil from uh, last year. McNeil couldn't make a throw oh, from yeah. third base. He was like he was having like three hours a game, especially in spring training. But I'm kind of off JD Davis. I mean, Davis is I know his numbers this year are good, but you have to look at the sample size, it's not that high. Uh and his I don't know. I feel like he never comes up clutch in big spots especially this year uh and the Mets need to change something I mean we're 101 games into the season right now and we're averaging less than four runs a game and we're so lucky that the pitching has been dominant as it is because we realistically we should be fucking selling right now too we should be trading Michael Conforto if like if Taiwan Walker and Marcus Stroman and Jacob DeGrom didn't have the first half starts that they had this Mets team is 15 games below 500 right now it's like not even close this team can't put up runs and well, all their starting pitching, right? Well, that's the crazy part right now is like people are like they need bullpen help, and it's like no, like no. you can't expect you, can, <laughs> no. you can't expect the Mets to no. play every game. Like you can't expect the Mets pitching to limit the other other team's offense less than three runs per game because the offense can't put up fucking more runs than that. It's ridiculous, and that's why the Mets need a bat. And I think JD Davis is the most replaceable player right now on the Mets team. I mean, of course, besides the bench bats. But I think Nimmo has team control and he's been great at the leadoff spot. Dom Smith and Conforto, I mean, as bad as Conforto has been this year, I think like he's a free agent at the end of the year. I don't think you're actually like benching him for the rest of the season. He's what a lot of people envisioned being their franchise, kind of their their new face of the franchise. Uh, So I think J.D. Davis is the most replaceable player right now on this offense. And I think he needs to be replaced. And if you go out, you get a 
big bat like Chris Bryant, I will be so frustrated if the first place Mets do not make a move to bolster their lineup, to bolster their rotation, to, to kind of show that they're going for it this year. I mean, you're in first place for the last, like, I think it's up to like 85 days now. This doesn't happen every season for the Mets. And I know it's Steve Cohen's first year and I know he doesn't want to mortgage the future. So make an affordable move then do something like you did with Rich Hill, but something's got to be made. You look at all these other teams that are competing, like the Padres just traded for Adam Frazier. That's just like a, a gluttony, a gluttony trade. They have Drake Cronenworth at second base. They have Hoss yeah. Kim at second base. Frazier also is a very underappreciated player. I mean, and same Brian Reynolds in that Pirates team, but Frazier is, is one of the better hitters in the entire national league. The guy doesn't hit for power. So I think that's yeah. why he's not very, you know, well-known, but this is a, a guy who can hit over 300. And that, that is as like, that's a pivotal piece. And that's a huge addition to the Padres. So I agree. I mean, you have to look at the competition. The goal here is to compete in the playoffs, not just to make the playoffs. Right. So you can't even look, I mean, of course the NL East has been helping us out a lot this year. And the fact that they're just not performing, of course, we are the worst division in baseball, but you know, we get to the playoffs. We want to succeed in the playoffs. Now we can lean heavily on our starting pitching. If we've done as we have done all year, but at the end of the day, we're going to have to score runs to win. And like you were saying, too, it's a great point. That does nothing but alleviate the problems and help out the bullpen. We don't have to rely on them as much, and we can give them a cushion, give these players uh, a, a chance to rest, and then actually use our best pieces out of the bullpen You know, only when we need them, not every game. Yeah, and I'm looking right now uh, at some tweets about like, Jose Barrios and stuff, and like what the Twins are asking for him. I know he's under team control for next year, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Right. He's a starting caliber MLB player and two of the top – uh, six prospects from the Mets. That's just not worth it at all, in my opinion. If you're going into next year with a rotation of uh, DeGrom, Carrasco, uh, Peterson, McGill, and Taiwan Walker, I think that's that's a solid rotation. I mean, obviously, you're going to make a move, too. You can potentially bring back Q, Q, uh, qual- give it the qualifying offer to Syndergaard, maybe bring back Stroman. But like, and that could be a crazy good rotation, not just like, and yeah. like we've been struggling more, like you know, Stroman and Walker. Maybe we didn't, you know, expect them to continue how well they were pitching early on in the season, but they could figure that out. And still, I mean, you got Stroman didn't miss being an All Star by much, and you know, with Carrasco in there too, we haven't even seen what what he's able to do. What we've seen from McGill so far, I mean, that could be a very very formidable rotation. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, as we're recording now, what is it, down to 21 hours before the trade deadline? And the Mets are going to make a move. They yeah, have to. They're going to make a move. I think they have to. But and, and here's what I think, too. Going off what you're saying for Barrios, the Twins are asking for way too much. At the end of the day, whoever we add right now at the deadline, this is, I think, just the hard truth. Like, we're not going to get, like, a Mike Trout caliber player, right? Or even probably, like, a cespedes Esque player who in 2015 carried the entire offense. Unless somebody like Chris Bryant, we can get him and he can go on a run. I would be, you know, I wouldn't be too shocked if he could he put on a show. But what Cespedes did that year was just incredible. But at the end of the day, the Mets offense as is right now is going to have to pick it up. Every single player on that team, Michael Conforto included, who's been the biggest disappointment by far this season. Everyone on this team needs to hit. We're not going to do it with the addition of a player. That's going to help out a lot. And also adding a bat can also shift and just help out momentum. Going off again, 2015, love to talk about it. How could you not? But adding guys like Kelly Johnson, Juan Uribe, of course, Cespedes, like just having those guys come to the team, I think can lift the clubhouse, right? Getting veteran hitters in, guys in, who will probably receive, right? Who are probably targeting veteran hitters here, I think can, can shift the mood and momentum in the dugout 
we need to get big hits from all the guys we signed. You know, we need to get big hits from McCann, Dom Smith, Alonso continues to hit. Um, people on this team currently needs, they need to drive in runs if we're going to compete in the postseason. I don't think any single player we get pitcher or offensive player can come in and he's going to be the magic potion that can lead us not only in the postseason, uh, but beyond and hopefully to win a World Series. Uh, I think that's a message. Hopefully the Mets are communicating across their clubhouse. There are like we have talent on the team. They need to get it together. I agree with you, too, that J.D. Davis is out of the starters on the Mets who should be starting. Right. Because Guillaume and VR, I think, have been in uh, due to injuries um, that he is the most replaceable. But, you know, at the end of the day, the offense just needs to perform better writ large. And I don't think any single player, you know, is going to solve all the Mets woes and, you know, instantly make us a favorite over the Dodgers or the Padres or the Giants or any team in the National League for that matter. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking right now. I don't know how the Yankees are making these trades. I mean, they're giving up prospects that aren't even top 10 in their system. Like this Rizzo trade, they just gave up two prospects, both outside top 10 of their system. And the Cubs are picking up the entire uh, Rizzo contract. I mean, Yeah, it, it's crazy. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. Um, I do, like, I want to see the Yankees make it. I'd love to see a Mets-Yankees Subway Series in the World Series, but, like, them getting Joey Gallo and, and, and getting Anthony Rizzo here just makes me want to beat them so much worse. And just the fact that they haven't had a successful season, like, I think that's just the Mets fan in me that wants me to take them down, <laughs> you know? But, um, I mean, hey, kudos to Cashman. Yeah, he's making moves. So, um you know, hopefully we can follow suit. And like, and like you said, it doesn't seem like the Yankees are giving up an arm and a leg for these players who are, you know, high quality hitters, especially in Rizzo Rizzo at Yankee stadium. I mean, of course he was hitting at Wrigley before, so it's not too much of a difference, but um, you know, that's, that's pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think the trade deadline's flustering because like I'm confident the Mets are going to make a move, but the fact that they haven't obviously gets me a little bit nervous. Uh, and then you watch everybody else who's making moves. The Padres are making moves. The Dodgers are making moves. And it's like, at the end of the day, the Mets, I think, are good enough to win the division with their current team. But like, if you want to, like winning the division is just like step one. Like I, I, you want to make a noise if you go to the playoffs. And I think it's really tough right now to be looking at these other teams making these huge moves, which are bolstering them, which are making them better. And knowing that the Mets are going to have to go up against them. And if the Mets don't make a move, I feel like it is almost like a lost season. Yeah. I just think like there's at the end of the day, there's no excuse and no one else to blame, but the Mets offense, if we can't go far in the postseason. So of course a move right now will help us out. But the fact that this offense that we currently see right now is 29th in the majors, second only to the Pittsburgh pirates scoring only 389 runs. I don't care how many injuries we've had. Like we've seen shit performance, right? Like, that is a problem. This is an offense going into the season that we predicted could be, you know, top five in the National League, if not one of the top National League offenses, a powerhouse with everybody on the team seemingly capable of hitting 20 home runs, right? This was something we talked about in the offseason. I think every Mets fan had in the back of their mind. So that's why I'm hesitant. Like, again, I'm with you. I think we definitely need to make a move, but I'm thinking long term here and, you know, we need to solve things for the players we currently have. Like, you're telling me, looking at this lineup, Seeing who's in it today with Nimmo, Alonzo, Dom Smith, you know, James McCann, Conforto, uh, even JD Davis, right? Of course, we don't have uh, Francisco Lindor in the lineup, but these guys and McNeil um, wasn't lineup either, but uh, we should be able to score more runs. I just, there's, there's no way around it. 
Um, you thought when we played the Reds, what, like a week or so ago, we put up like 15, that maybe this offense would spark. Uh, it hasn't. I don't know. I don't know what that answer is. But again, that's, that's just my opinion. I think that being said, though, with how good the pitching has been, and this is where like, I'll kind of argue against myself, a bat like Chris Bryant, if he starts hitting can make all of a difference. Cause if, you know, we go from scoring two runs a game to three or four, that makes a huge difference for this team that just cannot hit, but can pitch extremely well. So, you know, maybe for this team specifically, you could definitely make the argument that a single bat could have more of an impact than on other teams, right? Like that's, that's interesting. And that's something that I could, um, you know, get behind and, and argue with, but, but still at the end of the day, like we need everybody on this team to start hitting, you know, if we want to really go on a, a run down the stretch and into the postseason, that's, I have to, I have to just vent about the offense. You know, it's, it's crazy in the game today when we were down, you know, uh, Walker gave up those two home runs back to back. I think he could use and pull a, pull a card from Tyler McGill's playbook and maybe get a little calm and, and refocus. Um, but when we were down, you know, three to one at that point, it just felt like the game was out of reach. <laughs> and this was before we had to, a chance to take the bat in the fourth. So, you know, we had six innings left for the offense to come up and try to, to scrounge up some runs and it, and it just felt like this team was down and it shouldn't feel like that as a fan. It shouldn't feel like that as a player, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's just a problem. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say at this point. So. I, I, I mean, it's just right. I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, this was a tough, tough series. I, this was one of the, the tougher offensive series. I think we've had this season, you know, it's just, uh, it, you know, especially having, guys back in there like I said like Lindor's been out uh McNeil has been kind of I mean he's been playing but you know he's, he's been kind of nursing some injuries but um the fact that we we have the majority of our starters in and, and we're not scoring more than like two three runs a game is disheartening and it seems like those games where we do score like over seven or break out are so far and few in between man I, I want to say it's only happened two or three times this year and that's why our run differentials is also so low so just just tough to see these big names go up and you see our lineup, you get hopeful and you just get little out of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's why I think they need the shot in the arm at the trade deadline with the bat, because what else are you going to do? You're going to keep running the same lineup out every day. That's like just not producing. Yeah. I don't know, but you get one bad. It's like, I mean, I, I've already, yeah, I know I, I, beat, but like, I beat this horse dead, but, but still like, yeah, but, like, I think the one bat, like, especially if it's, like, Chris Bryant, and I know I'm getting a little hung up on this name, but he could play any outfield position, which means you get less at-bats from Kevin Pillar, which I think is a positive. You could play third base, which means you get less at-bats from either Luis Guillorme or you get less at-bats from Jonathan VR, which I also think is a positive. You get to maybe even move J.D. Davis to the bench, and J.D. Davis is the first right-hand batter off the bench, which I think is a positive. I think it adds a little bit more depth to the bat, to the hitting, which is something that the Mets don't necessarily need, but I think there's too many guys who are getting at-bats right now, and there's better options for those at-bats. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Although I would say, of course, and I think you'll agree, that Drury is making a strong case to maybe remain on yeah. the team as a right-handed hitter, but, but I think that's a... An, if we can get Bryant at a low cost or like without giving up top prospects now, and then given this, what the Yankees have done and the fact that they dealt with the Cubs and were able to get Rizzo, you know, I am hopeful that we could pull something similar with Bryant. I mean, I think that would be ideal. Right. And, and that could make a huge difference for the team. I just like, 
it, it's going to have to be a, a group effort, but man, like one extra bat here could make a huge difference. You're right in the heart of the order, right-handed bat, a guy who can play third, both corner outfield positions. You know, I, I think I'm getting talked in here to, uh, I mean, I would love to see Brian on the team at the right price. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'd all. The Yankees gave the ninth and 12th prospect and the Cubs took up all of the, uh, all this salary for Rizzo this year. I think that means that if the Mets were to give a top prospect like a Ronnie Maruccio, they could possibly land Baez and Bryant. Like it, it, it honestly depends how optimistic the Cubs are on re-signing one of those two players. I thought they were the most optimistic on re-signing Rizzo because it sounded like they had negotiated with him already. It sounded like they had offered him a deal. He had said no, but there was some slight negotiations going on. I actually, I actually thought he was the least likely of the three to go, but it looks like it might not. Uh, and obviously I was, I was wrong about that, but if that's what Rizzo costs and Bryant and Baez are in similar situations with the free agents at the end of the year, then I don't know how you could possibly think if you're the Minnesota Twins that you're getting two top six right. prospects and an MLB ready player for Jose Barrios, who's a free agent after next year. And this guy's not like, he's not a top five pitcher in baseball. He's probably, he's probably like a top 20 pitcher in the American league. Like it's crazy that that's kind of what they want. I think they're, I think they're delusional. Uh, yeah, perhaps sometimes I feel that way. Um, I wonder though, do you think it would be worth it to wait with Maurizio? Um, I don't even know what we would do with Baez and Brian. I, I don't I even, think, yeah. I mean, I, I think those are both rentals, but uh, I don't know. Maybe Baez isn't like we had mentioned. Baez said he'd play second base for the Mets, every other team in the major leagues he'd want to play shortstop for. Uh, so maybe you, I don't know. I think if you if you get Baez and you can sign him, then Maruccio actually, Ronnie Maruccio has nowhere to play. And I think that's kind of what the Mets are realizing right now, too. Maruccio's a huge guy. He's like 6'3". So realistically, he could definitely translate to a third baseman, but he's never done that. Uh, and what do you, and like, I think the Mets have aspirations to definitely contend this year. And Maruccio's probably a 2023 guy who makes his ML debut, MLB debut. So that he's two years off. So what are the Mets going to do? Just cool. I think it's kind of getting to the point where the Mets are a little bit, and you have Brett Beatty in the minor leagues too, which is a better prospect than Maruccio anyway at third base. So I think the Mets are getting a little bit prospect oriented, which I don't love, especially because you're in first place right now. Like get rid of some of the prospects. And I don't know, there's some like crazy trades. Like the Rays just traded their closer two year, two days ago, the Mariners traded their closer to the Astros who they were playing. And then today the Mariners or the Rays just traded their, closer to the Mariners. So the MLB trade deadline is absolutely nuts. The Rays are making crazy moves. They're trading for Nelson Cruz and then they're trading away starting pitching. They're trading away their closure. Nothing makes sense. And all I know is I'm going to be extremely unhappy if the Mets don't add a bat. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you there. I think maybe with Mauricio too, though, I, I don't, if the intention is to deal him and if he's playing well, like I would be inclined to wait honestly and try to get a piece that's just better than Bryant or Baez. Maybe next year you can get somebody who can tilt the the scales or get somebody beyond a rental. And of course, like we say, Baez could play more long term if we get him, but I don't I don't know. I I haven't thought this out well though. I don't know what player we target, but I feel like we could aim even a little higher if we wanted to. And I wouldn't rush that for this season. Of course we're in first place, but like sometimes I'm just shocked Dude, that we're still in first that. place like this season we have Conforto who's on the last year of his deal Stroman on the last year of his deal Syndergaard on the last year of his deal 
like Familia's in the last year of his deal. We obviously can't bring all these guys back. And it's like, not that the Mets window is closing because like even next year, if you look into the future, they still have Alonzo, McNeil, Nemo, Dom Smith, Francisco Lindor, James McCann. They still have a ton of pieces, but like there's some valuable pieces that are going to be leaving the Mets this year. And I, like, I know maybe the Mets resign one or two of them, but like you can't keep them all. And I think this is a kind of a year where like who's beating them? Who's beating Jacob DeGrom? Who's beating the Mets in a five game series if Jacob DeGrom's pitching twice? Yeah. Like that, like, like the Mets just realistically have to like score runs, which is the first part of that. And their offense, like, that's why I think they need a bat. And then they just need a solid start from a, a different pitcher in one of those three other games. And it's the same thing in the seven game series where DeGrom's going to start twice. He'll probably come in from the bullpen and like, one of those like game sixes, game seven type things. And it's like all of a sudden, like the Mets are like, the Mets have a realistic shot with Jacob. As long as Jacob DeGrom's healthy, the Mets have a realistic shot. Yeah. And I think if you have a Marcus Stroman who can give you five really solid innings, a Taiwan Walker who maybe can do the same thing, you have Noah Syndergaard come out of the bullpen. Brasco. Like, exactly. But like I, I was naming guys who like won't be on the team next year who might not right. be on the team next year. But like this is a year where like the Mets could go out and get it. And it's crazy. Like the Dodgers have dealt with injuries. Uh, Mookie Betts has been on the IL for half the year. Cody Bellinger has been on the IL for half the year. So it's not like these other teams are like crazy healthy. And it's the Mets are, it's not like the Mets are the NL West of like 2012, or it's like the, the Seattle Seahawks were seven and nine who win the division, winning the division and going to the playoffs and like getting, they actually wind up winning the Marshawn Lynch game, but like getting their doors blown off by like a 14 and two, uh, like a 14 and two Packers team or something like the Mets have a legitimate shot to win this. And I think you have to kind of mortgage a little bit of the future just to see that out, just to make sure you can get to the playoffs. And if you're adding a player that, okay, if he walks away at the end of the year, but you won a world series, who gives a fuck? Like, like realistically. And I don't know. It's, uh, it's definitely hard for me to say, but I will say this, the Yankees trading for, uh, for Rizzo it takes them out of the Trevor story market because I think the initial plan was to trade for Trevor story, move Flavor Torres from shortstop to second and move DJ Mayhew from second to first, obviously not picking up a first baseman. You're not going to trade for Trevor story. Cause that means you're going to have to either bench uh, Gio Urshela, DJ Mayhew or Glaber Torres every day. If you have Trevor story in your lineup or John Carlos Stanton is going to have to leave from the uh, DH. So I think that drives down the price on Trevor Story a little bit. I don't. I think that's one less shooter, and I think the Mets don't necessarily have to give up that much more. And I think, I think, like I said, I think Trevor Story doesn't really translate to a third baseman, and I don't think the Mets really would have a shot of resigning him in the po- in the offseason. But I think I like John Gray more than I like Zach Davies. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Like, I, I definitely want to make some moves, um, you know, and I, and I want to win this year. And I think Maurizio could be a guy to, um, like, just – viewing through the lens of signing Lindor long-term, I think on the minds of every Mets fan is like, especially for me, like I don't want to win this year and then just like tank and, you know, become a rental team. Now, of course that wouldn't be the case. We're only talking about a, a couple players here. Right. But I don't think that's a, a necessarily good habit to get into, but thinking about right. Who's in our farm system, who we have signed long-term in Lindor in the positions of both Beatty and Maurizio, like that could be a more logical play. And I'm sure and I have faith in the Mets team uh, in the GM on uh, Scott and, and uh, you know, everybody over there, including the statisticians that they're running the numbers, they understand what they're doing, you know, and making sure that th- this team is trying to be good for years to come. I don't want to just win the division this year 
and then bust. I'm hoping that this Mets team could be, you know, the Braves of years past for the NL East to dominate the NL East for years to come under new ownership, uh, you know, with, with good coaching and, and good play and good baseball year in, year out. Um, and that means new guys coming up and developing guys like McGill who, you know, uh, come up in the farm system, but also like you can't just stick there. And definitely right now, I think we need a bat more than anything else. So I'm with you. Um, we'll see what happens, but yeah, we need to make some type of move um, without sacrificing our, our long-term future, but great point too with the Grom and just any top three we have this year, really just any series, you know, where we have everybody healthy, we don't need to score a lot of runs. Last time I'll bring up 2015, this podcast, I swear, but similar thing. We had very, very strong pitching. Murphy just decided to become Babe Ruth. And that's what really allowed us to win, especially the Dodgers game, five game series, of course, strong pitching there and, you know, sweeping the Cubs in a four game series. So um, it's possible. And our team definitely is oriented towards postseason success. I think more than regular season success, of course, given the injuries that we've had to starting pitching. So um, yeah, if we can get a bat. I think that can make all the difference. A guy who can just drive in one or two more runs a game for this team can make a tangible and concrete difference in the win column for us, you know, in the stretch run here in August and September, not many games left. So um, let's see what we can do. We're getting, we're getting close to the deadline. I'm definitely a little nervous. Yeah. Uh, and if the Mets do make a big move, we'll do an emergency either podcast or we'll release emergency video on Twitter uh, talking about the trade that the Mets make. Hopefully it's a, a big right. trade that it then involves two uh, Chicago Cubs coming to New York. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can get excited about it um, and maybe even do some live reactions of some games coming up. Cause uh, you know, that game two nights ago was incredible or uh, last night, I should say. So um, I think that'd be great to catch on camera and get our reactions and hopefully we'll see you all at city field in the postseason Cause Mike and I are hundred percent going to go if we make the postseason. because who knows when we'll get back there, if we can make it. So um, let's believe. All right, I think we can wrap there. So as always, uh, Ty Wilkes, it's Uncle Mike. This is Mets Maniacs. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Mets Maniacs Pod. You can check us out on Instagram, Mets Maniacs underscore, and also find us online, MetsRiseOnline.com. Rate review us, please, on Apple Podcasts. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Stay safe, and um, hopefully we'll be back soon on Emergency Pod. All right, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike.